For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey everyone, welcome to Believe in Everything Ole Miss. I'm your host, Jordan Dollinger, and thanks for being here and tuning in with me today. Every week, I'm bringing you guys new episodes taking a deep dive into Ole Miss athletics, so you're always up to date and in the know on what's going on in Oxford. And we're definitely going to have some fun along the way, so make sure that you are subscribed on whatever platform you're listening on right now. That way, new episodes will download and save automatically each week, so you never miss out on anything Ole Miss. Joining me today is Bro Bible Associate Editor Grayson Weir. You may remember him from the All Aboard the Lane Train and the South Carolina Rebel recap episodes I did last year. He is back again with me today, and we're going to break down the 2021 NFL Draft and the former Rebels who are now officially in the league. So welcome back, Grayson. Thanks for being here again. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me back on. Eventful couple weeks and ready to break it down. We're going to jump right into things, but first, of course, we have to set the scene. So the 2021 NFL Draft took place just a few weeks ago, and there were a lot of highlights, but if you're an Ole Miss fan like us, then most of those highlights came on day two and day three, and even after the draft ended. The first Rebel to go was, of course, Elijah Moore. When announcing the number 34 overall pick in the second round, New York Jets legend Lavernius Coles called Moore a future pro bowler. And later that night, Fox Sports referred to Moore as a receiver who, quote, brings enough electricity to light up Broadway. He is the 11th Rebel to be selected in Jets history, dating all the way back to the 1960s. The Green Bay Packers selected former four-star recruit and Rebel offensive lineman Royce Newman with their one and only fourth-round draft pick on day three. The Nashville native played rotationally in 2017 and 2018 after redshirting his first year at Ole Miss. As a redshirt junior, he started all 12 regular season games for the Rebels at left guard. In 2020, he started all 10 games at right tackle as a redshirt senior and ended on a high note with a senior bowl selection. Newman was selected 142nd overall by the Packers and signed his rookie contract last week on May 14th. 
A senior transfer from Temple last season, a former Ole Miss star tight end Kenny Uboa went undrafted but ended up signing a rookie free agent deal with the Jets not long after the draft came to a close on May 1st. A contract, might I add, that includes a $180,000 base salary and $20,000 signing bonus. Yeboa only spent one year as Elijah Moore's teammate, but the two are now getting the chance to make up for lost time in the NFL. First and foremost, we are definitely going to talk about the Jets getting an absolute steal in the second round with Elijah Moore because in recent drafts, the Jets have really squandered their wide receiver picks. Last year in the 2020 draft, the Jets had nine picks and they only took one wide receiver in Denzel Mims. Also in the second round, he only played in about half of the Jets games last season and averaged about 40 yards a game, so definitely not impactful by any means. The Jets didn't select any wide receivers in the 2019 or 2018 drafts, despite having six selections both of those years. In the 2017 draft, the Jets once again had nine picks and they took two wide receivers. Those were Ardarius Stewart and Chad Hansen, both of whom were released by the Jets after their rookie season. Even going all the way back to the 2014 draft, when the Jets had 12 picks, they picked up three wide receivers, and unsurprisingly, none of them are still with the Jets. I mean, the stats are absolutely abysmal, and they don't stop there. So the question remains, can Elijah Moore break this curse or what? Just second-round picks for the Jets in general, regardless of position, have pretty much been all a flop. Will Elijah Moore be that player who sticks around and actually makes a lasting impact on this team? And Grayson, I want to know if you were surprised that he was still available on day two. Do you have any predictions for what he could do this year? Is he starting right away? Tell me your thoughts. So to add on to your curse thing here, I grew up, long story short, but I spent a lot of time as a Jets fan. I'm a little bit everywhere now. I root for my guys. I root for the league. I root for the Titans. I live in Nashville, et cetera. But I grew up, you know, spent a lot of time as, as a Jets fan. And every second round pick from 2008 to recently has not done very well. So you had Vladimir Dukasi in 2010. He was an offensive lineman from UMass. Total bust. Stephen Hill, wide receiver, Georgia Tech, 2012. Haven't heard of that guy since. Geno Smith, 2013. He's Geno Smith. Take his career as you will. He started a couple games for the Jets, a couple games for the Giants. Bust. 2014, Jason Morrow taking a tight end out of Texas Tech, bust. 2015, Devin Smith, wide receiver, Ohio State, bust. 2016, Christian Hackenberg, quarterback, Penn State, bust. So the Jets do not have a history of success with drafting in general, and particularly in recent years in the second round. I think, and I think you think as well, Anyone who saw Elijah Moore play college football at any point in his career thinks that he has the best opportunity to break that curse of terrible wide receiver picks and of terrible second round picks. But it's a shock that he was even there in the second round to me. I mean, we saw the guy play all year. He's been twitchy since high school. I mean, that dude's been making cornerbacks look ridiculous since his junior year of high school you know, goes to the elite 11 camps. You've all seen the highlights at this point. If you're listening to this podcast, at least you've, you've seen the highlights of Elijah Moore breaking that dude down at the elite 11 camp. So he, the fact that he was there on day two is a shock to me, especially when you look at the guys that were drafted in front of him. I mean, Kadarius Tony at Florida, he's a good player. I think he will be a good wide receiver in the NFL. Maybe it might've fit the giants scheme a little better than Elijah Moore did, but either way, I mean, they're, 
they're pretty much comparable players to an extent in what purpose they will serve on the NFL level. They're smaller guys. I was shocked that the Giants took Kadarius Tony as early as they did. Again, not bashing the guy. He's a good player. But then to see Rashad Bateman, and this comes from someone, I've been on the Rashad Bateman train out of Minnesota for two years now. Um, I've and been you, know, you know I'm a Ravens fan, so. Yeah, but I mean, I, I have been high on Rashad Bateman since very early on in his career. But to see him go ahead of Elijah Moore, probably more of a system thing again. You know, you need a bigger guy to stick out there that can take some hits, even though Elijah can. But the fact that Elijah Moore was there on day two was a shock. I mean, an absolute shock to me. The dude could have won the Bolitnikoff Award, should have won the Bolitnikoff Award, in my opinion. You know, obviously the injury at the end, sitting out, et cetera, might have hindered things a little bit, even though he wasn't really injured. It was just more of a precautionary thing, getting ready for the draft, whatever. Should have won the Blitnikoff, in my opinion. So the fact that he was there on day two was a shock for me. But that being said, I mean, the Jets getting him in the second round, getting a ridiculous receiver in the second round to pair with their, you know, number two overall pick and Zach Wilson makes a lot of sense. He's got sure hands. Yeah, you know, you question his size a little bit. So you wonder if he's just limited to the slot. I think the answer is probably yes. I don't know if you push Elijah out to the sidelines or line him up really anywhere but the slot. But I don't think that matters. I mean, the Jets have been lacking a target period for, God, I mean, I can't even remember, maybe Lavernius Coles, Jericho Cotri, but even that, I mean, it's Lavernius Coles and Jericho Cotri. So you've been missing a, a legitimate wide receiver one for years. I mean, for the, the last decade even. And Elijah's obviously a stop and start guy twitchy as I was mentioned so you can kind of for those of you who aren't familiar uh, with how he could fit on the next level you know just think of someone like a Stefan Diggs obviously his size is different than Stefan Diggs but Stefan Diggs can break down a cornerback anywhere in space and get open that's what Elijah does and he's tough and I think that's Elijah's best trait is that he's just tough at the point of catch so when he's grabbing a ball he's gonna take a hit he's gonna be fine getting compacted a little bit he's gonna pop right up and keep going he might even break that tackle which we saw a lot last year he's produced a lot against man coverage in the slot the nfl loves to put a man on slot receiver in the current way of the league makes a lot of sense there he forces missed tackles as i was saying you know creates a lot of Yards after catch in open space, which is something that the Jets need desperately because they, Darnold, I mean, who now obviously is in Carolina, could find his guys last year, but then his guys couldn't really break anything. So having Elijah for a young quarterback in Zach Wilson makes a lot of sense. And then on top of that, you know, you look at the wide receiver room in New York. Yes, you know, they have a slot receiver already and Jamison Crowder, who will kind of be the incumbent in that position. So you wonder how he fits in there. But Jamison Crowder, you could push out to the outside, but he's older. He's nothing special. So Elijah could come in there and win that spot day one. They added Corey Davis in the offseason, who is, again, a good receiver, but he was a wide receiver two in Tennessee. He wasn't a wide receiver one. The question is whether he can translate to that which the Jets are hoping that he will be. And then Denzel Mims didn't do anything last year. I think he'll have a more productive season this year, but again, he's pushed out to the outside. So Davis and Mims aren't really fits in the slot. Crowder's older, whatever you want to do with him, you know, you don't know, but 
the fact that the receiver room has so many question marks bodes really well for Elijah's chances of getting on the field early. And then on top of that, I mean, you talk about Zach Wilson, the fact that he and Elijah will be at rookie minicamp together all the way through the summer, all the way through, you know, the benefit and importance of a rookie to rookie rapport can't be overstated. I mean, look at Cincinnati last year with Joe Burrow and T Higgins. So Elijah has a really good opportunity to step in there in New York and be a day one starter. And again, the fact that he was there on day two was a shock to me, but it works out for a team that desperately needs a receiver, especially with the fact that they've got a really young, raw arm under center. So, you know, Zach Wilson could get really comfortable with Elijah really fast and just look for him over the middle more often than not when he can't find his deep targets because Mims may not get open all the time. Corey Davis isn't that deep receiving threat yet that the Jets are going to hope for that he will become. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think the Jets got a really, really good pick in that spot without a doubt. I agree. I definitely think it was shocking for him to still be there after the first round, but also I wasn't shocked because no one really ever gave him the credit that he deserved for whatever reason last season. But I do think that this could be a great landing place for Elijah and I'm excited to see what happens for him this season. I want to touch on the Jets wide receiver room. As you just mentioned, Corey Davis joins the Jets from the Titans. He just signed a three-year deal with them in March. And they also have Denzel Mims, who is on year two of his four-year deal. And then Jamison Crowder, who is entering the last year of his contract. So lots of moving parts in New York, but definitely certainly a possibility that Elijah could start sooner than later this season. Moving on to another player with starting potential, who, as I mentioned, earlier went undrafted this year unsurprisingly but definitely not deservingly Kenny Yeboah landed with the Jets nonetheless again were you surprised at him not being drafted at all and is he going to get off to the same running start that Elijah might have do you think as far as tight ends go Chris Herndon was hurt all of 2019 but the two full seasons that he did play in 2018 and 2020 were pretty unimpactful for the Jets I think Yuboa has a good chance to start because of just the sheer depth that's lacking at this position on top of the talent that I know that he has so what do you think about all of this yeah Kenny Yuboa went undrafted I couldn't believe it I mean I could because you know he's flown under the radar his whole career he was a two-star guy out of high school probably should have been you know more highly recruited than he was goes to Temple didn't really do much just because didn't fit the system, wasn't a particularly strong force on that team. Comes down to Ole Miss, you know, for his his final season and and did some pretty good things. I mean, he's a very viable guy. I just couldn't believe that he, someone didn't take a late round flyer on him at all, but the Jets were quick to jump on him. I mean, they paid him a ton of money for an undrafted free agent, giving him 200K guaranteed with a $20,000 signing bonus. That's pretty unheard of for an undrafted free agent, unless you want to get your guy and you think that your guy has potential to really become something special, which I think Yaboa does. My question is, when does that happen? You know, could it be this year? Yeah. I mean, I think he has a legitimate opportunity to step in there and become the number one guy in New York, just like Elijah does, where the tight end room for the Jets is Chris Herndon and only Chris Herndon. Both guys are pretty similar in frame. Chris Herndon's like 6'4", 250, I think. 
Yeboah's, it depends on when you look, anywhere between 6'4", 240, and 6'5", 250. So pretty similar in structure and size and physicality. I think it's really interesting that he's going to get into a team where, yes, he needs development, but the Jets really don't have time to develop him. So he's got to learn quick and step up and become someone who may be relied on by a young quarterback, again, as a check down option or as a someone to rely on in situations where deep receivers can't get open or where even Elijah, they might end up stacking the box against the slot receiver. If Elijah comes out hot and has two great games, then the defensive coordinators are going to put a lot of guys on him, which opens up that tight end space. So really interesting fit for me. I'm curious to see what he does. And the fact that he wasn't drafted was pretty surprising to me. But again, you made a good point about Elijah just kind of flying under the radar and nobody really giving him the credit that he deserves. I think Yeboah is the same situation where obviously he's not a Kyle Pitts, but his ceiling might be as high as Kyle Pitts. His floor and his base are probably a lot lower than Kyle Pitts's floor and base. But his ceiling, I think, is equally as high if he can get into the right system, develop, and find a fit. So Chris Herndon was promising in 2018. The Jets were pretty high on him at the end of that year, especially from a fantasy standpoint. Everybody was stoked. You know, coming off of an injury in 2019, he was supposed to be fully healthy last year. From a fantasy standpoint, he was one of the top tight ends that people were looking at to be a sleeper pick that could really explode on a Jets system. Um, he didn't. I mean, like you were saying, 25 yards per game, that's virtually useless in a passing offense, which the Jets tried to do last year, even though they were just abysmal. So yeah, I think from a, a like a roster standpoint, logistically, Yaboa could really step in there and surprise some people um, and become a starting tight end in the NFL on day one. Um, I think Herndon's kind of the incumbent, so they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but if he doesn't step up to the plate and perform and Yeboah does, I mean, that's a really quick flip that you can make for a guy that, again, they compare pretty consistently or comfortably, however you want to put it, size-wise and skill-wise. Yaboa might even be a little faster. He might be a little quicker off the line of scrimmage. It'll be interesting. And then obviously it's a new system in there. So you're not stuck with Adam Gates's offense, which could be interesting to see it'll be interesting to see how the offense performs across i mean offense and defense because the jets were just so terrible last year that there really is nowhere to go but up but the offense in particular you know there are some good you know i don't know if good is the word maybe decent or potentially good players on the offense in new york and having mike lafleur at offensive coordinator i mean he ran he was the passing game coordinator out there in san francisco with uh robert sala so, there's, you know, you've got a guy coming in there who likes to throw the ball and he likes to find tight ends. Look at George Kittle, you know, in San Francisco when LaFleur was calling that passing attack. He likes to find his tight ends in the space. He likes to create opportunities for them to get open. I'm not saying Kenny Yaboa is George Kittle because nobody's George Kittle. That dude's going to get paid like a wide receiver. He already was paid like a wide receiver. But Yaboa is going to be someone, the tight end rather, whomever it may be, Herndon or Yaboa, is going to be someone that Wilson's going to look to a lot in this new system. And what's interesting to me about Yaboa, similar to a Kyle Pitts, again, I don't want to compare the two. They're very different players, but they're similar in structure and they're both equally as athletic. Pitts, obviously, 
more so than any tight end we've seen ever coming out of the NFL draft. Nobody has performed like him, but Yaboa is not far behind. And so you can push him out into that kind of slot or X receiver position if you have to and use that tight end less on the line of scrimmage and more out towards the sidelines, um, which I think is something that's interesting for Yaboa because you look at Lane Kiffin and Levy last year and they used him a lot in space. They didn't have him on the line as often. But with that being said, I think Yaboa is a better blocker than Kyle Pitts is. And then a lot of tight ends get credit for coming out of college that are receiving tight ends. So obviously he's not a blocking tight end first, but he's put a lot of work in to where Kiffin and Levy were comfortable putting him out there against a crashing linebacker or even against like a wide nine technique or a defensive end running a weird stunt. They were comfortable having Yaboa on the line as a blocker. And so he's put in the work to become a good blocker. And I think he has the potential to really develop into a great blocker. And I think that'll be really valuable for a, again, a abysmal Jets team last year that doesn't have a stellar offensive line. It's okay. You know, they're serviceable one through five in, in the trenches, but then you put your bow out there and it gives Zach Wilson that extra level of protection as well as someone, you know, if they kind of pick up the pace on offense, you can have your boa giving Wilson an extra level of protection on either side, left or right on one play, turn around, hustle up to the line of scrimmage on the next play, push your boa out and make him a receiver. So he's very valuable in his versatility. And again, I mean, the jets went out and paid him. So they saw the opportunity to bring him in and fit a system that I think Lafleur really likes him. I think Salah, likes him too but he's obviously a defensive minded coach coming from San Francisco as the defensive coordinator and now LaFleur is the offensive guy and he had from what I understand a lot of say in you know the offensive picks and he was high on Zach Wilson which everybody has their opinion on him one way or another I'm excited to see what he could do but LaFleur probably was pretty powerful in going out and signing Yaboa because they paid him to give him 200K and guaranteed money plus a 20K signing bonus. Again, like that's on the upper level of the scale for an undrafted free agent. So they saw him as the potentially their starting tight end this year. And I think you're right. You know, he could step in there and really be the Jets starting tight end that opening weekend. So it'll be really interesting and really fun to watch the two kind of work together, Elijah and Kenny, because they'll both be crossing over in that middle of the field area on a frequent basis like they were last year. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch those two develop. And I don't know whether Zach Wilson will. I think he's kind of the most bust potential quarterback of the power five or whatever you wanted to call them this year with Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, you know, all those guys. So yes, Zach Wilson could bust miserably, but I've always been really high on him from a he's fun to watch and he makes plays. So having him in a system where the offensive line isn't great and he can scramble around and find Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa in the slot out on a button hook or something of that nature could be a lot of fun to watch. So I'm really excited about both of those. I feel bad because again, the Jets have been so abysmal and they ruin talent year in and year out. But I think they're finally starting to turn the page. Robert Sala was a good hire. Lafleur did great things with that offense in San Francisco. So if they can turn that page and, you know, kind of start to trend upward, 
Elijah and Kenny could be a big part of that upward swing. So that'll be really fun. Both of them could definitely land that starting role, I think, but I am pretty nervous given the Jets' track record with developing new talent. And on top of that, both of their success is tied directly to Zach Wilson, who regardless of whatever side you're on in the Zach Wilson debate, he is an incoming rookie starter who too himself needs a lot of development. So I hope for the best results this year and in the future, but definitely important to keep those expectations realistic too. So, And the good, the good thing is, as opposed to previous years, there is an expectation that they will be better, which is good right away. But this process is going to take two, three, four years. You know, you're not looking at Salah, who they just hired, as an Adam Gase, where, I mean, they could, for all we know, the Jets could jet and go 0-17 the next two years, but they're not going to. They're going to be better than they were in the past. They just are, and they almost have to be because there really is nowhere to go but up. And so if you can give them two, three, four years to develop, that patience will be a big key to both of their success. Because a rookie contract, you know, you typically look at about three years, sometimes two, sometimes four, but typically about three years. And that's kind of the trajectory of the team. You know, you've got Zach Wilson where you're going to give him three years like you gave Darnold three years. I think trading Darnold might have been preemptive or reactional, whatever. Um, I'm actually more high on Darnold than kind of most people. I think he'll go down there and, and actually be what the Panthers need. But with that being said, you know, you've got a new staff coming in like, okay, let's turn the page. Let's start from scratch and let's really rebuild this team with quality pieces who are young. And, you know, truthfully, Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa, both as great of players they are, they could use some development. There's a lot of growth to be had on the next level, especially for Yaboa, who really doesn't have all that much of a resume outside of Ole Miss. You know, his Temple days didn't really do anything. High school, two-star recruit, like I said, but a very good one. I mean, the dude played cornerback in high school. You know, you've got a guy who's now playing tight end of the NFL, playing quarterback in high school, cornerback in high school. That's ridiculous and just speaks to how unbelievably athletic he is. So the Jets see this as an opportunity to get two guys in the system around Zach Wilson. Like we said, a lot of the success of the Jets, all of the success of the Jets revolves around Zach Wilson. The running backs are nothing to write home about. The wide receiving core, like we've mentioned, nothing to write home about. You know, you've got Corey Davis, who's a wide receiver two. His whole career is now your wide receiver one. That's questionable. But with that being said, giving Elijah Moore two years, three years to become wide receiver one while drafting guys around him makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious. Um, I guess I guess what I would say and kind of going off of your like standpoint on the, on the whole thing is I'm hesitantly or cautiously optimistic. I think there's a lot of potential for some really quick success. If Zach Wilson can get in there and start slinging the ball around the way that he did in college, because that dude is so fun to watch. The Jets could be decent if they don't get him going right away. That's okay. Give him a year, give him two years, you know, draft some offensive linemen, who are big guys to protect him, get a running back. The Jets desperately need a running back. 
And I think they'll probably go get one, whether it be in free agency or the draft next year, but they need a guy. Like I can't even, I'm a quote unquote Jets fan. And I can't even think of, I'm drawing a blank on their name right now. That shouldn't be the case. You should have an RB one, you know, in your system that people know and you can trust and rely on, especially when you've got a young quarterback like Zach Wilson, being able to hand the ball off a lot is key. They won't really be able to do that to the same extent with the guys they have in their system now. So Zach Wilson's going to have to throw the ball a lot. Mike LaFleur, he's going to want to throw the ball a lot. And so, you know, it could be interesting. Cautiously optimistic is is what I'm going to say. And, and I think I want to stick with that because I am optimistic, but it is the Jets. So yeah. who knows? Since we're sticking with optimism, we're going to throw out some predictions for our guys this year. I'm keeping these in the vault, and hopefully I'll get to replay them soon when they become a reality. First, starting off big, how many years do you think it'll take for Elijah Moore and or Kenny Yeboa to make a Pro Bowl, regardless of if they stay with the Jets or go somewhere else? I think Elijah could be sooner than later. I think if he gets in there this year, you know, like we said, the wide receiver room's a little bit crowded, but it's also really clouded. You know, he has a chance to get in there and make an impact this year if he performs the way that we know he can. Um, I'll go three. Yaboa is going to be a while, if at all. I think he'll be a quality tight end. I think his ceiling is really high. I'll go four. No, I'm going to go six for Yaboa. It's going to take some time. And what would you say is a bold first-year prediction for either or both? I don't think it's all that bold because you already said that it, like you think it's a legitimate possibility. But I think Kenny Yaboa will be tight end one week one. Or let's go week two because I think they're going to give Herndon a shot and I think they might rotate the two back and forth. But I think Kenny Yaboa is going to end up being that tight end one. And I, I know that's kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth because I said it'll take some time for him to meet, reach a Pro Bowl. But tight end is such a tough spot to make a Pro Bowl. And to really make a Pro Bowl as a tight end, you have to be like top four, five, six guys. I don't know if he'll ever reach that point, but I think he's going to be a very consistent tight end, maybe even more as a wide receiver than a tight end, a traditional tight end per se. But I think he'll be in that position come week two. I'd say my bold prediction is that Elijah Moore has a great first season, but that Yaboa has a comparable one and that he really surprises a lot of people and proves why he should have been drafted in the first place. So I think he'll be way more than just a placeholder behind Herndon. I really think that he's going to be impactful this season. So I think I'm going to go with that. I agree. I like that. And if, if we want to go, Bold predictions, and we didn't really even talk about him. I think Royce Newman is going to start at right tackle for the Packers this year because David Bakhtiari, we're worried about his knee. You know, we don't really know how he's going to do. So you're going to have to push your right tackle over to left tackle. I think Royce Newman is going to slide into that spot. I don't think he'll stay there necessarily, but I think he's going to be, of the three guys, you know, including Yaboa, even though he was technically undrafted, I think Royce Newman's going to be around the longest in the league just because he's so versatile on the offensive line that he can play any position. And the Packers of all teams are really good at developing offensive line talent. So taking a project like Royce Newman, who is a project, but he's a big body, played both guard spots as a junior, moved out to tackle. Again, you're wondering about Bakhtiari's health. 
So whenever Bakhtiari gets nursed back to full health, he'll take over that left tackle spot forever. But until then, I think Royce Newman could start at right tackles like week one and play right away. So I think that'll be really interesting. So overall, to wrap it up nice with a bow, all three Rebels now in the league are going to start at least one game this season. Yeah, there we go. That can be the bold prediction. All three guys will start in 2021 at some point. Now, again, that might just be slightly biased and slightly hopeful, but that'll be my bold prediction. All three, all three Rebs from the 2021 draft slash undrafted free agents will start at some point during the 2021 NFL season. Well, here's to hoping that we manifested some really awesome highlight reels this upcoming season. Thanks again, Grayson, for being here and let everyone listening know where they can find you. Go find me on social at GSunJW on Twitter. My Instagram is a little less exciting. I'd like to argue that I have the best compositions on Instagram, but GSunJW on Twitter, you can find me now, not at Red Cup Rebellion anymore, though I will be with Red Cup in my heart for life. You can find me at BroBible.com, breaking down anything that you could imagine. I mean, from sports to culture to music, et cetera, mostly sports, because that's what I do, college sports. But yeah, come find me, follow me any questions, you know, reach out. So glad to be back on. Always a pleasure. I love listening to your uh, Believe Every Week. Keep it rolling. And, you know, I look forward to, to being on here again whenever the time comes. Thank you. And here is to a great year for our former Rebels. Damn right. Cheers to that. That's a wrap for me this week, guys. Thank you all so much for joining me and listening and downloading. Make sure that you are hitting that subscribe button wherever you're listening to podcasts. And until next time, hotty toddy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.